Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. Today, we welcome Prabhu Cannon. Prabhu took a seven year career break before relaunching at Apple, ultimately as the managing editor for Siri, which means, as Prabhu describes, head writer and character lead for Siri. After four years in this role, Prabha published a LinkedIn post that went viral, talking about her decision to take a second career break. And this post has almost 7 million views, over 95,000 reactions, 2,000 comments, and more than 1,500 shares. So talk about going viral. And we're going to talk about that viral piece in a little bit. And we're also going to talk about the details about how Prabha relaunched her career at Apple, how she progressed once she was there, and hear more about her decision to take a second career break and write about it. Prabha, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're very excited to hear from you. And can we please start by hearing a little bit about your career path and what you were doing professionally before your career break, and then what led to your decision to step away from the full-time workforce? Sure. So I built a career in user experience research before I took my first career break in 2010. I'd spent about a decade running internal research departments, so primary research, consumer research, and consulting to companies who wanted to understand their user base better. So think focus groups and online surveys and any other primary research methodology. I was living in Boston at the time, and and I had two major life changes that precipitated my career break. One, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and I had to take disability leave to recover from a bad relapse. And two, I gave birth to my first child. So looking back, I I think I may have been able to hack it if I'd had one of those life changes plus Mm -hmm. a full-time job, but not both. So I went back to work after a four-month maternity leave, and I I really just wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was doing a good job at work. I certainly wasn't doing a good job at home. But most importantly, I wasn't doing a good job of taking care of myself. And I was also really fortunate that I was in a position where I could take some time off and know our family would be okay financially. Mm-hmm. So I decided then to leave the paid workforce for a bit. So Prabha, that that does sound, there's a lot of transition there. There are a lot of things going on at the same time. And I'm, I want to know if you can um, give us a sense of what was happening while you were on career break and ultimately you transitioned into working as a freelance writer. And I'm wondering if you could tell us some details about how that happened. Sure. Yeah. So how did I transition into becoming a freelance writer from a user experience researcher, very different careers in many ways, although there's, there's a lot of writing and analysis and sort of observational research that's similar to both and common to both. I would say the transition required a little bit of skill, a lot of hard work, and just a truckload of luck, (laughs) you know, Um, in addition to giving birth twice and raising kids and managing a busy household with a spouse who traveled for more than a third of the year, I also used my career break as a period of Mm -hmm. self-investment. That's very, very important. That was really, that's a really important part of my narrative and my journey. 
is that period of self-investment. I took a lot of writing courses through some writers collectives, one in Boston called Grub Street. I took a number of courses after we moved out to California at Stanford through their continuing education program. And then I just started writing. I just started Mm -hmm. writing a lot. I started pitching editors and I started getting rejected over and over and over and over and over again until Mm -hmm. finally I got accepted. And it's funny to say this, but I've never actually worked as hard as I did when I was on that career break. Mm -hmm. Those seven years, I was juggling family, health, household, and developing a new skill. Those were the toughest years of my career. And they happened to coincide with when I wasn't working full time. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I just want to call out here a couple of things. First of all, originally, when you said um, you were in a financial position to be able to take a career break, and we want to stress the financial planning, the financial assessment piece of um, being able to take a career break or career breaks of different lengths. So thank you for uh, acknowledging that at the beginning. And then what you call this period of self-investment. So was there something lurking in your background where you thought, I've always wanted to be a writer, and then you want to explore that, and that started the um, coursework and the writing, or was it triggered by some other experience? Yeah, so I started writing actually pretty soon after I was diagnosed with MS, and I initially used it as an outlet for just the pain and the anxiety that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the way that I've always coped with stress in my life is through humor. And so I started writing humor. I started writing satire. I would satirize things that were happening in the news. I would satirize things that were happening in politics. And after I moved to Silicon Valley, I mean, this place is, you know, just a, a, a city that's filled with satire. There's a lot of material. It was an easy target. Yeah. And so I, I started satirizing everything around me. And, you know, at some point, the the work that I was writing was interesting enough that an editor thought it worthy of publishing. Hmm. And, you know, which isn't to say that was easy. And I certainly don't want to gloss over the hard work it took for me to get to the point where I was able to publish something and also the, the rejection. And I think, frankly, you know, anyone who's in a, in a creative industry will, will resonate with this, but, you know, I've been rejected far more times than I've been accepted mm-hmm. then and still today. So anytime I write something, you pitch over and over and over and over again. And frankly, you know, nine out of 10 times I, I, I still get rejected. But, you know, every so often when you pitch something and it gets accepted and you get a platform for your work, then that's, that's just so incredibly meaningful. And, and I was lucky that I was able to get a platform that would publish some of my satire, but I also really, really worked hard to, to be lucky too. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about, you know, a lot of rejection with occasional acceptance and the acceptance was super high. That was a super high of, of being um, in, in freelance writing, um, but that we should not minimize the um, persistence uh, that you have to have to keep going forward when you're in that long uh, series of rejections. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
And then how long were you working at your freelance career before you realized that you're actually ready to reenter the full-time workforce? So I had been freelancing for about seven years before I decided that I was ready to come back. And the trigger point for me was really when my youngest was ready to go to full-time kindergarten. I figured that it would be a good time for me to start looking for full-time roles just as he was getting ready to go to full-time school. Yes. And, and actually, I, I got approached by a recruiter for Google Assistant at the time to apply for a role there. Hmm. Uh, I ended up not being qualified for that position. They needed someone who was an Indian native who spoke English, and I am a, a child of Indian immigrants, so not an Indian native, but it opened up my eyes to the possibilities that existed. And so I checked for similar open positions at other voice assistants, Alexa and, and Siri, mm-hmm. and I saw one for a Siri writer serendipitously, and I applied immediately. And do you think that you were identified by that recruiter because uh, the person saw something that you published or, or how did that person get to you from Google assistant? Yeah. Yeah. I would bet that it's, it was a combination of my name. So an, an, an Indian name, <laughs> mm-hmm. as well as the work that I published. And I'd written work that had gone viral in the past. Some of the things that I've written for the New Yorker and Huffington post have gone viral. So I think my my name was was sort of out there a little bit as it was associated with those pieces. I see. And we're going to talk about going viral in a little <laughs> bit. But um, before we get there, um, so I so you saw the Siri opportunity and you applied for it. And then what happened? How did that lead to your first interview? Yeah. So Apple is a giant company with over a hundred thousand employees. So, you know, six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon, it didn't take a whole lot. (laughs) It didn't take a lot of time for me to find someone in my network who could submit my resume internally. Mm -hmm. And that I think is really critical. Mm -hmm. You know, you can apply for positions via job boards, but really having that internal connection is so valuable. If you can have someone who can submit it directly to that hiring manager or to a recruiter, then that's just so much more powerful. And so, so I had someone do that for me mm-hmm. and that personal connection was really helpful in ensuring that my resume got seen. I see. So I just want to emphasize for our audience, we talk about that personal handoff, that personal connection being so important. And here's a perfect illustration of that. So um, Prabha, when you were applying, do you think that because you had the freelance writing career and that was over the period of your career break, even though the, the pieces that got published were occasional, although it sounded like they were pretty high impact and, you know, they went viral and that, that's amazing. So it, it looked as if, or your, your career break was really a period of freelance writing. Is that how it appeared on your, on your resume? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was able to sort of smooth over my career break, if you will, with the combination of freelance writing that I was doing, the humor writing that I was doing, as well as the consulting that I was doing as a UX researcher. So again, I continued to consult a little bit part-time, really just when my kids were napping during the week. So a handful of hours a week, 
Mm-hmm. But I was able to do that to some pretty marquee names. Um, I worked with Google. I worked with the Mayo Clinic. I worked with Amazon, specifically their Alexa division. I worked, you know, for so many companies, a number of healthcare companies as well. And I think having those big names, even though I was just doing some very small projects at a very, very light workload, was mm-hmm. very helpful to smooth over that career break in my resume. And how did you get those user experience roles? Was that through people that you knew from your first, from your first job, your pre-career break career? Exactly. Yeah. So I had worked at a company called C-Space, which is a division of Omnicom, the the giant media and branding agency. Mm -hmm. And I'd worked there full time. And again, you know, relationships matter. So when I left, I had good and strong relationships with the wonderful people who worked there and they were able to find a way for me to continue working at this very, very light level of effort, you know, during my career break. Mm. And, you know, I have to interject right now that the uh, founder of C-Space is Diane Hessen, who is a dear friend of mine. So shout out to you, Diane. She's the best. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'll have to tell her that we are talking about her in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, so um, getting back to your the Siri role and that application process, did you have to ha- have any technical skills um, in order to be qualified and to move forward in the interview process for that role? So between the time I found out about the job and interviewed for it, I hustled to read everything that I could about speech recognition and natural language processing and the voice assistant space, Siri and its competitors. So not just mainstream publications, but I was reading academic papers, technical papers, really doing a lot of self-study to educate myself about the space. So as someone who is applying for a job with the title writer, so that the title of the position was Siri writer, I knew I wouldn't need the same technical skills as someone with the title engineer. But I still needed to be able to prove that I could speak that language and learn the industry jargon because I knew that I'd be working very closely with engineers and other designers and that in order to prove myself and get this job, I'd I'd, I'd have to speak that language. So I was pretty familiar with the tech stack before I even interviewed. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, frankly, at companies like Apple, you're going to have to work hard in the job. So you'd better prove that you can work hard to get the job too. So I worked really, really hard to prepare for that interview. And then, and then after I got the job, there was a ton of internal training and mentorship to help get me up to speed. So, you know, and frankly, I needed it. I was a PC person before I got to Apple. I, Mm -hmm. the last time I'd used a Mac was in middle school. So, you know, I, as soon as I got there, I had to take Mac skills 101 and, and, and really kind of, you know, get up to speed quickly. But they were patient and, and there was a lot of internal training to help me get up to speed. Got it. And again, I want to call out for our audience, what Prabha is talking about in terms of that self-study. I, it reminds me of myself when I was applying uh, to finance, financial analysis jobs after an 11 year career break, also went through a period of deep, like immersion in, um, all the things that I knew needed to know and get updated on um, in for a finance career. Now, in my case, I was reviewing things that I'd done before. In your case, you were doing a deep dive into subject matter that 
that was fairly new to you. Um, but I, I just want to emphasize to people how important that subject matter expertise piece of the equation is uh, when you are going into an interview. And not only does it give you a leg up in terms of the level of conversation that you're going to have in that interview, but it helps uh, improve your confidence. Prabha, did you feel that there that it impacted your confidence in um, in terms of the interview process there, or how else did it uh, did it impact you? Yeah, it hugely impacted my confidence when I could go in there to that first round of interviews and really sort of speak about what I'd learned and, and see the reactions on the other side. They could tell that I knew that what I was talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, then we could really kind of engage in a deeper conversation about the sorts of ways that I could contribute after I got there. Mm -hmm. And then once you had to learn some of that, the technical piece when you're on the job, did you find that, like you talk about yourself being a lifelong learner, were you sort of applying that perspective to, to this kind of learning or were there moments where you're thinking, whoa, I, I hope I can, I can really figure this out. I have always had a growth mindset when it comes to learning new things. And so mm -hmm. I, I always try to approach complex concepts that are challenging to learn with the same sort of, okay, I can master this attitude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I knew it would take a little bit of time, but I, I also knew that I had it in me to do that. And frankly, I, you know, had spent so much time on the sidelines that I wanted to prove myself mm -hmm. after as, as part of this re-entry, I really wanted to prove to myself more than anyone else in my circle. I needed to be able to prove my, to myself that I could do this, that I could learn something new, that I could learn something that was at the cutting edge of technology, artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And to learn something that frankly, you know, I say my job didn't exist when I graduated from mm -hmm. college <laughs> two decades before. Mm -hmm. And I needed to learn something completely new. And I, I approached that with, with that growth mindset of, okay, I can do this. And that, that was, that was huge. Wow. So um, I want to fast forward to um, recently when you had spent at about four years or so at Apple, and then you've decided to take a second career break. Can you talk to us a little bit about that decision process? Yeah, so I just kicked off break number two, and I'll admit that this was a tougher one for me. I loved my job at Apple so much. The people, the work, it really wasn't an easy decision. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I decided that I needed to clear some space for myself and my family after these last couple of years. Pandemic parenthood is no joke. Mm. Managing a team of people at work during a pandemic is no joke. Mm. Self-care during a pandemic is no joke. Mm -hmm. And th the way I put it is this, I, I wasn't running away from Apple. I was running to my family and that mm -hmm. was an important decision for me. And it's a really important distinction to make. I didn't leave because I hated my job. I loved it. And frankly, I was pretty good at it. I left because I felt the pull of parenthood a lot stronger in this particular moment. Mm -hmm. So my plans are to take some time off. We've got some family vacations planned. I'll also be doing some writing, some advising, some consulting, some speak, some speaking. 
Uh, people are, are pretty shocked when they hear that I'm not jumping to a different, bigger role immediately. But I actually think that there's a lot to be gained in a non-linear, non-traditional career path. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that companies are starting to value a lot more now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And I've accelerated significantly by the pandemic and the experience that companies have had um, during that time. You know, I want to jump now to that, uh, to the post that you wrote about your uh, decision to take the second career break, which is how we met. Uh, And also it it went viral. So I'm very interested in, first of all, what made you write it? What it just, what, what there was, was there something about going public with uh, this, uh, with this personal decision, but also you feeling there, there was something important to put in the public domain. And can you talk a little bit about what about it you think made it go viral? Yeah. So I, I wrote that post on LinkedIn for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to acknowledge specific people who had helped me at Apple. And I wanted to do that in a public way. And two, I wanted to acknowledge the challenges of relaunching a career and the biases against relaunchers. Mm-hmm. I think that it went viral because of one particular line in the post. And I will quote that line here. And uh, it's it's got an expletive in it, but I'll say it anyway. Go for it. But the line is, if you want to get shit done, hire a woman. If you want to get everything done, hire a mother. Mm-hmm. And that's a powerful rally cry, if you ask me. It's really mm-hmm. this perfect bite-sized quote that people could copy and paste and easily share. And I think that's sort of the key to virality is, is you've got something that can, that people can rally around and that they can share very easily. Mm -hmm. And so did, was this something that when you woke up in the middle of the night and thought, I'm going to write about this, or is something you were sort of pondering for a while, and then you spend a lot of time writing it? What, What was the timeline? I knew that I wanted to post something the day after I left Apple. So my last day at Apple was January 31st. I believe I posted this on February 1st or February 2nd. I retired the same day that Tom Brady did. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> he posted on LinkedIn the same day. Um, uh-huh. But I, I, I knew that I wanted to write something. I didn't have anything drafted until the morning that I posted it. So, so it, was, it was pretty spontaneous. And when you're talking about what made something go viral, you had said that there were things that you had written in the past that had gone viral. Um, Do you also think it was because there was some sort of a high impact soundbite that people related to that made that happen or or were those for different reasons? Those were for different reasons. I'd say those articles were not personal in the way that this was. I think this had the resonance of one, a personal story, and two, a relatable story, right? This is mm-hmm. my personal story, but two, this is this is something that a lot of people can relate to when they leave the workforce for whatever reason. That you know, there is there is potentially a way to come back, and I I think that in showing and proving that I could come back after an extended career break, and not only come back but to pivot my career into a different industry and to grow and succeed at it i think that was very very powerful yeah and from our perspective um to have a a powerful story like yours in the public domain 
is not only inspiring for other relaunchers who might be um, in the early stages of relaunching their career, but also a great example for employers to see what's possible when, when um, high caliber, high performing professionals leave their careers and then decide to go back again, what can happen? Absolutely. Um, Prabha, can you tell us, you know, we talked about the numbers in terms of, of the, the viral response, but did what happened personally? Did people uh, start reaching out to you? You mentioned that you might do some speaking. Is that because people want you to speak now um, due to the uh, post or, or something else? Yeah, I, I think people are interested in someone who has a title a Siri writer. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a weird quirky job. Yeah. Um, and, and, and people are interested in it. I think the LinkedIn post helped, you know, again, accelerate the, the name recognition and, and the association of that job title with me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, folks are reaching out to me. It's largely, I'm, I'm speaking largely at women in tech conferences. So, mm-hmm. you know, two groups of women, in college or professional women who are not in tech or interested in getting into the industry. But really the common thread there is that everyone is really sort of interested in increasing the numbers of women in the, the technology industry. And I'm speaking largely about my own experiences there and, and, and hiring and recruiting and retention. Yeah, and, you know, you think about that incredible um, job and title you had, and you're bridging this world, bridging the world of writing and technology. It's really an unusual opportunity, too. So I'm sure there's a lot of fascination with that part of it. Yeah, definitely. So probably we're coming to the end of our our time, our conversation time right now. And I want to uh, close by asking you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests. And that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Yeah, so I would say my most important piece of advice is to really use your relationships. Relationships are key to the job hunt. They're important for making sure that your resume gets seen by the right people. They're important for reference checks. So really making sure that you foster those relationships is critical. You'll never know when you'll need them and when they'll need you. Frankly, I've helped so many people I know submit resumes to various roles and connect them to people that I know. And people have done the same for me as well. So when you sincerely help others, they'll help you in your time of need as well. Mm, That's fantastic advice. Uh, So... Prabha, thank you so much uh, for uh, speaking with us and for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Carol. This has been a lot of fun. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. For more information on iRelaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.